right, everybody. How you doing tonight? Praise the Lord. Everybody doing good on their fast? Yeah? Um, anybody, you know, with this fast, it's not about what you can do. It's what God can do. So always keep that in mind. You think, well, no, I'm supposed to go without food. But, yeah, but you can also be discerned to be safe. And, huh? And if you fall off the apple truck, guess what? You can get right back on again. Amen? Because if it's all about what you can do, then it has nothing to do with what God wants to do. And there would be no point in doing the fast. The question is, can you hear a still small voice? Right? Are you feeling yourself suppressing your flesh so that your spirit can rise up? That's what it's all about. From there, God will do all the rest. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Some of you are probably wondering, why am I wearing a hat to church? It's part of the message. So I wanted to rock the apple cart a little bit tonight. Anybody here from the Midwest? Praise the Lord. So, you know, from the Midwest, lots of rules, lots of, you know, religion and this, these and thys and therefores. And by God, you'd never be able to wear a hat into the church Right? I mean, what a ridiculous idea, number one, only because I'm not here for all y'all. I'm here for the people who need Jesus, who maybe don't know the rules. And if we're not careful, we'll have so many rules that the fence gets so doggone high that nobody can jump it anymore. And what good is that? I'd rather have people wearing hats and coming in with you know, alcohol on their breath or smell like a, that, that wonder herb that they all smoke or whatever. I'd rather have a church like that than a church just full of a bunch of people who've already heard the gospel a million times, been saved for 20 years, and, you know, have all their these, the thys, and the therefores all put together. And so what I want to do tonight, we're actually going to start in First Timothy tonight. And we're going to actually talk about this because the whole first chapter is just basically Paul establishing who he is, Paul establishing who Timothy is, and then he moves right into, hey, guess what, guys, if you're going to make it all about the rules and the regulations and all of that stuff, I'm going to kick you out of my church. In fact, the very last scripture we'll get to tonight, he actually names two people. It said, these people would not listen to the sound doctrine I'm giving to you, Timothy. So I told them to get out of the church because they were causing more problems than they were solutions. Amen? So let's get into this tonight. If I were to have a title for this message, I don't really have a title. It's the first Timothy series. That's what we're doing. I would call it Perception Deception. Perception, deception, or deception, perception, doesn't make any difference. Either way, you're, you're moving forward in your life, buying into things that you're telling yourself is the truth, but you've never really compared it to what the Word of God says. So you're operating from an inhuman state because you're called to the truth. You're not called to your version of it. You're not called to what Bill or Susie taught you or what mom and dad taught you or what you learned in, in Sunday school or, or any of that kind of thing. You're called to the truth that can make you free. So let's get into this tonight. Let's talk a little bit about who Paul is here. Um, 
in the first uh, chapter, first verse, it says, This letter is from Paul, an apostle. We're going to talk a little bit about what the difference of an apostle is tonight. An apostle of Jesus Christ, appointed by the command of God, our Savior, and Jesus Christ, who gives us hope. Now, he's opening this whole thing up saying, I'm an apostle. I've been put in that position by God. If you weren't here last week, you can go back through all that. I, I showed you how Paul became an apostle and all of that, how he changed his own name so that when people would approach him, they would call him humble or little rather than the arrogant monster that he was. And so he closed the door to that. He changed his own name, unlike many other people who God changed their name. But it's interesting, if you really study out what I, I brought everybody through last week, you'll find out that Paul did, uh, God did not change Paul's name. Paul changed Paul's name. From Saul to Paul. But it's interesting, as he describes who he is and how he obtained that, he opens with, who gives us hope? Now, with the rules and the regulations and me being the guy that walked in tonight, let's say I don't know Christ, I got my hat on, and all of a sudden an usher comes over, taps me on the shoulder. Hey, sir, uh, I need you to uh, take your hat off. What? I mean, literally, and I understand where some of you all are at, but I'm going to break all that stuff down tonight in little pub pebbles, and we're going to see things for the way they are. It's not about whether someone's going to wear a hat or not. Trust me. <laughs> women wear hats all the time. Nobody says anything to the women about wearing hats on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever. Oh, God forbid nobody can wear shorts to church. God forbid nobody can do this. Nobody can do that. And it's like, Really? Really, nobody can do that. So now that's a rule that we have to follow. Now, I understand all of it. I grew up in Wisconsin, so I understand it all and how it's used to honor God and all that. I get all that. Dress in your Sunday best because you want to dress for God. And I get all that stuff. But you can't hold everybody else to your expectation of your life. Because guess what? That's your expectation. Yeah, have you ever, um, have you ever, has anyone ever had an expectation of you that you just, you didn't meet? Right? Have you ever had an expectation of someone else that they didn't meet? Whose expectation is it? It's theirs, not yours, or the vice versa. And so when you have an expectation of someone not knowing anything about them, not knowing what their background is, none of that. You just have this, this carte blanche, this is the expectation. Bless God, and we're going to maintain this standard come hell or high water. I've been going to this church for 32 years, and praise God, we ain't going to change now. Well, you'll probably keep a church of about 50 to 100 people, praise the Lord. But really, we're here for the lost. It's not about whether we can go out and find a bunch of people just like us. No, that's a waste of time. That's a waste of energy. You're going to, in fact, in that model, you're going to turn more people away from Christ than you're going to bring to Christ. That's a real problem. And I'm sure you've been to churches that are like that and all of that. I would say that even faith builders of Beloit was like that. 
But it was like that because of the culture that was already there. Paul said, become all things to all people that you might win some. It's not about whether they're going to do this or they're going to do that. It's about saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to meet you right where you're at because that's what God did for me. Even me and Beloit having this religious mindset and the rules and all that, that dogma, I did it as under the Lord, and I don't, I don't think there was any problem with that because that's the culture. But we live in a different culture. I remember when I moved to Arizona, I'm like, man, this is the most relaxed place I've ever seen. You can't get anybody to even make a phone call back to you. Leave them a message. You have a meeting, you're supposed to meet somebody, they don't even show up, and they don't even say why or anything else. Now, what's wrong with these people? Well, guess what? I had an expectation that, that two million other people didn't have. So it's me against them. Well, what am I going to do? Well, bless God, I'm going to hold the standard, by golly, against these two. No, come on. You've got to adjust. You've got to adapt to what that culture is so that you can get some stuff done. But boy, when I first got here and people blow me off or not show up for a meeting or show up late and just be like, hey, you're late. I know. There's a traffic. Well, I had to drive in traffic to get here too and praise the Lord. I got, you know, I mean, it's a different mindset. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that you've got to realize in the body of Christ now, we're going to bring it all into the body of Christ it's like, why would you have rules that would prohibit someone from receiving the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ? I can tell you honestly that a message that I would prepare on a Sunday or a Wednesday, different rules for me. Because on Wednesdays, we have a group of people that, that really want to develop themselves. You know, you guys are the core of the church. You're the diehards, man. You're like, I will come in 122-degree weather if I have to ride the bus to get to church. You know, you're those people, right? But on Sunday, you, you don't have, I mean, you've got a mixture of people, don't you? You got people that come every once in a while. You got people that come just on the holidays. You got people who have been, I mean, don't know the Lord or anything about the Lord, all the way to people who have been walking with the Lord for 50, 60 years. So as a pastor, I have to realize that even the strength of a message that I could bring could offend someone who has not yet received Christ in their life. And now all of a sudden that person's out the back door and we never had an opportunity to really minister to that person. Let's talk about what it is to be an apostle real quick. So the term apostle is mentioned first in Luke 6 and 13. And it names Christ's disciples as apostles of the church. So this, this is like the law first mentioned, and it's actually coming from Christ over his disciples. And they became the first apostles, or at least the first time it was documented in the Word of God. An apostle is a delegate. It's a messenger. One sent forth with orders. Now, well, let me do this. So let, let me do this. Let's read Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Because there's, there's a five-fold ministry. Everybody say five-fold ministry. 
I believe that David chose five stones as a foreshadow of the fivefold ministry. He only needed one to defeat the giant, but I'm saying symbolically, that's what you could look at when, when, you, when you think of this. So in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ, just as Paul said that he was given the gift of an apostle, but now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is one thing. It's to equip, the, equip God's people to do his work so that they can build up the church, the body of Christ. See, if, all, if what you're depending on is what the pastor can give you, and you come here to, to say, give me more, give me more, give me more, but yet you're not equipping yourself to do the work of the ministry, you're missing the bigger picture of the fivefold ministry. The responsibility of the fivefold ministry is to operate in these gifts so that you can develop yourself and go and win the world for Jesus Christ. That is the purpose. So what's the difference between an apostle and these other five ministry gifts? The apostle is the one that is like the, 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 the one that would go out in the middle of a city, no churches to be found, and will, will go into that city, will be discerned by God to know the message for that city, and literally begin to push back the strongholds that are in that city. Now, You've all traveled to different big cities around the country at different times. Have you ever noticed the different feeling? You know, you go into L.A. versus you go to New York City or Chicago or, or, or you come to Phoenix, Arizona. Different feel. It's like, whoa, wow, there's something different here. Listen, a lot of that is our, our, our negative or demonic spirits that have influence on that area. And if you're discerned, you can really pick, on, pick up on them quite quickly. But an apostle would go in there because of the anointing of God on his or her life. And we're going to get into her next week. You do not want to miss this. But his or her life, and they come in, and they are there to take that, that city or that region or that part of that city, and they're there to push back the darkness to create this incredible church that... It's not just a pastor that does that. An apostle goes in there, and they are on an assignment for that city, for that region. And they break the strongholds so that a church, like Faith Builders Church, because Bishop is our bishop over this church, he's actually an apostle. He's planted several churches. He's planted this church. And I'm telling you, when we got here, we were met with a lot of resistance. Denise, did we have any resistance? Just a smidge. I don't know what a smidge is. It's an English word of some sort. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, it was an unbelievable. And, and listen, I could say, you know, I was here with Bishop and all that. I didn't do what Bishop did. None of us who came here with Bishop, none of the congregation that joined us did what Bishop did. 
because he would constantly challenge us. I mean, he'd be like, what are you doing? What did this and that and the other? And it's like, man, alive, I don't know if I should go left or I should go right. Or am I going straight or are we going backwards? I didn't know because I'm not an apostle. But I can tell you as someone who got to be with him in closed doors, I got to see things that I, I, I don't think most people have ever seen. I got to see a move of God. I got to see what he was actually talking about. I mean, Mike, Denise, do you think you understood what you were getting into before you came out here? I thought, man alive, we're going to go out there. We're going to start this church, and, you know, we're going to find this great building, and, boy, we're going to snap our fingers and praise the Lord. All these people are going to come in, and it's just going to be fantastic. Until you're stabbed in the back about 343 times on the first day. And yet, you could see the resilience in Bishop. I was like, what in the world, man? Let's just quit. Let's give up. Let's just move back to Wisconsin, man. This is hard. But he had done it before. And I, I, was, I was part of the Beloit Church, but it was already birthed. I, I was part of the birthing of the Milwaukee Church, but I wasn't there on a full-time basis. So I didn't really know all the details of what it took to establish a church. Take that territory. But that's really what Paul was. He was an apostle. And the ter- um, let's see. So let's move on here. So those are the five gifts of the Spirit, of, of, of ministry, rather. I want to carry on back into 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, I am writing to Timothy. What does it say there? My true son. In the faith, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you three things. So here he's talking to Timothy, and he's saying, I I am believing that the Lord will give you three things, grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace. I showed up with a hat. I showed up smelling a little bit like reefer. Grace, mercy, and peace. You see, you don't know what that person's going through. You don't know what they're dealing with. You have no clue. And quite frankly, it's not our job to fix that person. You're not God. I made a rule in my life once I became a pastor because I I burned the candle from both ends, man. And I finally came to the realization and the revelation that, you know what, I can no longer do anything for anyone that they can do for themselves. Because the moment I do that, I am robbing them, that person, of the breakthrough that they need in their life. Now, I can be there as a coach. I can be there as a pastor. I can continue to encourage them. But I cannot do for them what they can do for themselves. That is the work of God. That is the work of having a person that says, I I feel the conviction of God. I know I have to make these changes in my life. And therefore, I submit that to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And God can do what only God can do. You see what I mean? Otherwise, i got to keep being that person that they keep coming back to because they're not doing it themselves. They're not getting the experience that they need to overcome in their life. Big mistake in the body of Christ to play the role of God. Let God be God. Amen? 
So prior to being called by God, Paul was entrenched in tradition, wasn't he? He was a, I mean, he was a, well, he's a murderer. And listen, he was doing it for what he felt was for God. You know, these Christian people, that guy's not the Messiah, and that's just the way it is. That's what he made his mind up to believe. And he went around killing people. And so the people of this time were entrenched in tradition as well. And were causing distractions from the truth in the meetings that they were having. It wasn't about grace. It wasn't about mercy. It wasn't about peace. It was about the law. And hey, listen, who do you guys think you are? And I can only imagine them pulling people off to the side after the service is over and, you know, the whole thing was done. And hey, you know what? We, we, we got to get back to the law. It, it was ingrained in them, totally ingrained in them. That this is all about the law. We're going too far. You know, who does that Pastor Timothy think he is anyway? I could just see it happening over and over and over because they didn't have an experience beyond what they had already had. But this, I'm telling you, there is powerful revelation as we continue to go through this. In today's Christian church, we have more than 33,000 denominations around the world. 2.42 billion Christians out of about seven, I think it's closer to probably about four and a half billion people on the earth. Mark 16, 15 says, says uh, takes on a whole new meeting to go into the whole world and preach the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. A whole new meaning. Imagine you're just in the Middle East, you're Paul, and you're just going around these little cities, you know, and you're just thinking, oh, we're going we're gonna to send the gospel around the, the whole world. They were still thinking the world was flat probably. I don't know. Right? But he had such a vision from God that he knew that what he was entrusted with, he could entrust that to other, the Timothys and the Tituses and so on and so forth. And that's what he's doing here. He's saying, hey, let's break this thing down because I'm noticing that there are people in your congregation that are making this more about uh, the, the traditional church than about this New Testament church that we are birthing. Verse 3 says, when I left for Macedonia, I urge you to stay uh, at Ephesus and stop those who, whose teaching is contrary to the truth. So he's talking about right here, grace, mercy, and peace. He's saying, no, there's a simplicity to this thing. It cannot be all truth and no grace. Jesus came and he shook the whole world with the idea that he came in truth and grace. This is a brand new message. This is a brand new thing that goes, whoa, this goes beyond what I can do and what Christ can do for me. And so there were these people who were teaching contrary to the truth about Jesus Christ. He says, don't let them waste their time in endless discussion, discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. 
It's not about how high you've grown in the kingdom. It's not about this ladder that you're going to climb. No, this is about Jesus Christ and what he has already done for your life. And if you'll just walk in the simplicity of that, you're going to find his, his burden is easy. It's, his yoke is light. You know, this is not to get all stressed and worked up about. This is about the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, for them, they knew about the Messiah, and they knew what the Messiah could bring, but they had no experience with it. And so you could imagine how many people would come into the church then, the early New Testament church, and had a lot of concern. A lot of concern. And here's what I want to say to the modern church. You guys, there's a difference between having questions and questioning. It's a big difference. Questions are wonderful. Ask them. Explore everything. But the moment those questions become questionings, you've turned this, you've perverted your role in the body of Christ, which we talked about last week, and how important your role in the body of Christ is. And now all of a sudden it's all about questionings. Now it's all about instead of going to, you know, your buddy over here or, you know, Sister Susie getting her on the phone and, oh, yeah, did you hear about this at the church? Oh, you know, I didn't hear about that. Well, let me tell you about it because I want to pray about it. You know, I want to, you're on my prayer chain thing here. You see how subtle the enemy is? And all of a sudden something has been perverted now between two people. And all of a sudden, it's like, if you're not careful, you can get sucked into that. And it's so easy. It's such a slippery slope. But this is what Paul is telling Timothy. Watch out. There are people in your congregation that are undermining the authority of who Jesus Christ is. And more and equally as important, they're undermining the authority of each individual in your church who is gifted and talented to do, to do many mighty works because you're here to get things all twisted. That's why I would have called this message Perception Deception. <laughs> Watch out for it. It's, it goes on to say, these things only lead to meaningless speculations, which do not help people live a life of faith in God. So literally, if you're involved in that level of conversation, number one, if someone's doing that to you, tell them to quit puking in your ear Cut it off. Because if you don't, it, it says, which won't help people live a life of faith in God. If I had a raise of hand in here and said, who in here believes that, that you would want to lead people to walk in, in the, a life of faith in God, every hand would go up. But it doesn't matter about your hand. It matters about your heart and it matters about what you're going to do about what's in your heart and what you're not going to do. Because if you don't, it says right there that you would prevent people from living in faith in God. Because you're undermining what that means every time you do that. I got some notes here. Most of the gospel has become traditionalized in the modern church. They don't know what they are talking about. 
because they don't acknowledge the simplicity of the love of God through Christ. They don't have a pure heart toward Christ or towards the church. They don't have a conscience that's void of doubt about Christ and the faith to realize Christ's finished work as it was prophesied of Christ. Gentiles coming into the body of Christ, right? All of that was prophesied. They still didn't get it. And that's where the church is at today. Everything that's in the Word of God, everything that's in the New Testament, every, all the promises of God that came through Christ, it's still as if we don't believe what was prophesied would occur as a result of Jesus Christ coming into a life of a human being as their Lord and their Savior. We still have conditions that have to be met. Well, you don't understand my situation and how deep and dark it is. You don't understand where I was born and how my upbringing was like. You don't understand my, my business situation right now. It's broken and I've done everything I know to do. And it's, it's just so easy to continue to slide down that road. Or you could say, well, wait a second. What does the Word of God have to say about my business or my finances or my marriage or my children or whatever it is that I'm struggling with? And maybe I should renew my mind according to the Word of God rather than the way things are. Whatever you're experiencing in your life right now today, no one else is experiencing exactly what you're experiencing. No one on the planet ever has, ever will experience what you're experiencing today. So your experience is really predicated on what you believe and what you're going to do about that. So if you could create the result that you have today, good, bad, or indifferent, if you can create that, then you could have a change of heart, change of mind, change of action, and create any outcome you would ever desire. That's what the Word of God says. But if we're not careful, we won't believe in what was prophesied about Christ. We won't believe truly what the Word of God says about the promises of God, which are, by the way, are yes and amen to those who believe and are called according to God's purpose. It doesn't say if this or then that. The Old Testament says a lot of that, if this, then that. But the New Testament is a very different way of living. It's not just about right and wrong anymore. It's about right and wrong and grace and mercy and peace. You've got to balance the Word of God. And some people, like I said last week, most of the churches, unlike this church we're talking about, the church we're talking about was legalistic. It was all about the law and no grace, no, none of that stuff. All about the law. Now the modern church has run clear to the other side. Now it's all about grace. Let everybody do what everybody wants to do. I'm going to read a scripture here in a moment that's going to, it's going to offend you. It's going to offend some of you in this room. But it's the word of God. As much as it says that I'm saved and I can go to heaven, it's going to say what I'm going to read here in a moment. And if you're not careful, you won't have, have the word of God in your mind, the word of God in your heart, and you'll get offended by what I'm about to say when it's the truth that can make you free. As much as I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, I can confess with my mouth, believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, and I will have eternal light with, with him. As much as it would say that, it's going to say what I'm going to say in a moment. You can't pick and choose. 
You have to take the word of God, and you have to rightly divide the truth, and you have to say, I accept it. I don't understand it right now. It doesn't make any sense to the way I'm living my life and what I believe right now. But you know what? I'm going to accept it as if it's truth. I'm going to apply it to my life, and I'm going to watch the fruit of God begin to happen as a result of the word of God in my life. It's good stuff, isn't it? We're only on what, verse 8? Is that where we're at? Okay, let's, let's, let's pick this thing up. It says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from the pure heart of a clear conscience and, a, and of genuine faith. So it's saying that we have to have a pure heart, right? Not motives that are, I'm right and everybody else is wrong, right? A clear conscience, meaning I've got a set of morals that I'm going to live up to. And and of genuine faith, which is a sincere faith. My faith is not just, you know, uh, a sissy faith, a passive faith. No, my faith is real. My faith will shape my world. And anyone that I come in contact with who will willingly receive that, it will shape their world as well. That is what true faith is. There is no lack in Christ. There is no sickness in Christ. There is, there's nothing of anything that doesn't have true, lasting value in Christ. So if I'm exposed to something that is, that is lacking in my life, I can go back to the Word of God, I can renew my mind, and I can live as though that is true. And I promise you, every step of the way, every word that I'm telling you tonight, everything that you would do to apply the word of God in your life is going to change everything. Your flesh is going to throw a fit. Your thoughts are going to throw a fit. I mean people around you. Listen, at the end of the day, hear this by the Spirit of God. Most people who come to Christ and then leave Christ, it's because they already have buy-in with all the idiots that surround them. This is the way things are with us. Now you're coming in and you're disrupting all of that. Who do you think you are? You're not that. Come on, let's just go back out and have a good time. Let's go back and do what what we've always done. But if you're not careful, you won't discern that. And then you'll let that light that you, I mean, you're on fire for Christ when you get born again. All of a sudden you let that light diminish because you know what? I've already got buy-in with all this group of people here. They don't know me that way. And when I don't act the way I used to act, then I violate that relationship in many ways. They get hurt. They get offended. They don't understand. And all of a sudden, that person goes right back to where they started. I've seen it happen millions of times, thousands and thousands of times. If you're going to make change in your life, you've got to realize there's already buy-in, particularly with those intimate relationships you already have. It's already total buy-in. And all of a sudden, you start showing up in a new way. You know, hey, let's pray over our food before we eat. You know, what the, what are you talking about, you know? That's not what we do. Some of you really need to look at the relationships that you have in your life, and you need to sever some of those because they're preventing you from growing in a way that is so supernatural that I promise you, you'll look back years later and go, look what the Lord has done. Wow. I had no idea that the Word of God was like literally what it said is what I could do. But listen, you're, you're going to have to tip the apple cart over, man. You're going to have to say no to people because they're going to want to hold you 
to the commitment you've already made with them. That's why it's so important to come to the body of Christ. Developing these new relationships, godly relationships amongst each other, so that you have people in your corner that believe that are like-minded and hopefully not the kind that's going to pick up the phone and puke in your ear. I'm going to get off that soapbox. Okay. It says right here in verse 9, I believe, it says, but some people have missed the whole point. Can you see what that means now after I've explained all that? Some of you have just missed the whole point. It's as if God is just waiting up in heaven to smack you on your knuckles every time you do something wrong. There is nothing further from the truth than that. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. You ever been in one of those with a godly person? Praise the Lord. Hey, uh, praise God. That's awesome, man. I, I got to go over here right now because well, I'll figure it out when I get there. Hallelujah. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, right? So of the law, this is where the church was at in the day. I've modernized that now to bring it up that we want to make it about religion and doing good and, and all of that and the grace message and not so much the, the law anymore. But they don't know what they're talking about. That's the problem. Even though they speak so confidently. Now, I don't want to pick on anybody, but... We know there's denominations out there, there's religions out there, even that are like para of Christianity. There's churches here in the valley that are spiritualist kind of churches and, and that kind of thing. Um, even Christian music can get way off base, way, way off base. Maybe a good song to, to listen to, but I wouldn't necessarily listen to those words as instruction from Christ in my life. Just because something has a label on it does not qualify it for what we're talking about. Because some of those people singing those songs have missed the whole point. They've missed the whole point. It's okay, great. You're making some money. You're, you're enjoying yourself. You can put a good tune together. I don't have any problem with that once whatsoever. But in the body of Christ, in the church that I would pastor in, I want you to be aware that just because it says it's Christian music does not qualify it for what we're talking about tonight. There are some TV evangelists that have come up with some pretty interesting schemes to get your money. Send your money in right now, and I'll send you this bottle of holy water right here. Praise the Lord. And, and listen, I'm not accountable for what they do. I'm only here to tell you that I have been involved with that group for a number of years now, and not everything that you see there is what you know it to be. There are some pretty extreme lifestyles that occur out of some of those ministries. Now, I'm not going to say all of them. But I'll also tell you this, you should be discerned enough to know what you should be doing and what you should not be doing. You should be discerned. So maybe that water is holy water and that's the way God's done it and the whole thing. I'm not to say that that's always the case. What I'm here to tell you is, is that's not always the case. Okay? You hear somebody say, hey, if you don't send me money today or this week, then I have to go off the air then go off the air. Praise the Lord. What's the big deal? 
It didn't work out. There you go. You see what I mean? If you feel pressure to give, you will never feel pressure to give in this church, ever, ever, ever. But if you feel pressured to give, that should be the first thing. Your rear antenna should stand straight up and go, that's not God. God doesn't pressure you to do anything. He's a gentleman. So much so that, listen, don't you think he would want everybody saved? Of course he would. But does he force that on anybody? Never, ever, ever will he ever do that. Greatest gift given to mankind is the power of free will to choose. promise you that. So let's read on. Um, we know that the law is good when used correctly, right? When used correctly. We've got to have moral standards, right? So now, if you, if you don't want to be offended, just go ahead and plug your ears and close your eyes and don't read this. For the law was not intended for people who do what is right. It is intended for people who are lawless and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what's holy, who kill their father or mother or commit other murders. The law is for the people who are sexually immoral. You will not have a praise and worship leader on this stage who's not sexually moral. You understand that? We're not going to let it happen because we're not going to allow the anointing to go right out the door. Or who practice homosexuality or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome, and this is what the point is. This is where you get the point. Wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. Now, I read some things there I know are controversial, but the Bible is controversial. Jesus was controversial. Paul was controversial. You should be controversial as it relates to truth in your life. The reward in your life comes from the benefit of accepting the truth. I'm never going to come against anyone. I'm not going to come against any group. You are welcome to come to this place. But if the idea of you coming to this place is that I have to seal my mouth and say I can't say certain things that are written in the Bible, then please let me borrow your Sharpie so we can go through your Bible and we'll just cross off all the stuff that doesn't apply. Good luck. I got to hurry up here. God has given you a role in the kingdom of God. He trusts you with it and appointed you to serve him through it. I thank Jesus, our Lord, who has given me Paul's strength to do his will. He considered me trustworthy, appointed me to serve him. And even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me. Because I did it in ignorance, I did it in unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. That's what makes the difference in me. That's what he's saying. That's the point. That's what we need to promote in this new church. He goes on, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, not to condemn them, not to tell them to take their stupid hat off, not to do any of those things. 
He came to save them. He, God, came as Christ to save sinners. You need to get out of the way of that and help facilitate that and play your role in the body of Christ. You're being equipped for the work of that ministry, even tonight as I speak the word to you. He says, I am the worst of them all. He named murderers. He named a whole bunch of other things. And he said, I'm worse than that. I've done worse things than I've named to you. That's what he's saying. And he says, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience even with the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too, because of the work that Christ did in my life, Apostle Paul, because of that, then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God, period. He doesn't need your influence. You need his influence through the truth so that you can operate in the body of Christ and lead or be the example for others to follow so they can believe. And when you're not doing that, you are violating your relationship with God. You're perverting it. You're becoming the, the, the catalyst for untruth or for something else rather than the truth that would make you free and every person that you would ever come in contact with free. I'm going to close this out right here. Timothy, my son, we need more sons in the kingdom of God. It's not enough just to come to church and fill a seat. Become a son. Become a daughter. Develop loyalty to your church, to your pastor, to the vision of God. It says, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. So he's saying, here's what we prayed over you, and I want to remind you. May they help you fight well in your battle. No, in the Lord's battle. You see, it's his. And it goes on and says, um, and keep your conscience clear for some people have deliberately, uh-oh, violated the conviction or their own conscience. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked, which means it's of no effect. There's no fruit. It's not happening. The moment you can get back on course to the simplicity of Christ, yes, live a moral life but also understand that you need to give whatever is immoral in your life back over to God so he can deliver you of that. You need to have faith to believe that so that other people can see what's happened in you and they too will believe. But here's what I got to close with. Tough one to close with. It says that guy and Alexander are two examples. I threw them out of the church, handed them over to Satan so they might learn not to blaspheme God. Sometimes we got to ask people to leave the church because they refuse after counsel 
after trying to help them understand what Paul just explained to Timothy on how to correct some things in his church, some people have got to go for the safety of all of you so that the church of God can be pure, it can be lovely, and it can be focused on the works of Jesus Christ that no man can ever do. That is the responsibility now of a pastor. (laughs) So um, I hope you guys enjoyed this tonight. There's... There's quite frankly so many other notes I could have gone over tonight, and there just isn't enough time. But before we dismiss tonight, I want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to come back to Christ or an opportunity to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior for the first time. And so if you'd all bow your heads with me this evening, I want to make sure I want to do a heart check. I want to make sure everybody's right with God. And maybe maybe you've lost your conscience. Maybe you've you know gone too far with some things. You can get that right tonight with God. You can just ask him to forgive you of that sin. He'll be faithful to do it. No man can do it for you. Only Jesus can do that for you. But I want to make sure your heart is right with God and that it, it's strong. It's it's it, it's re 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 uh, reconnected into your life in a powerful way. So let's say this prayer together tonight. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of all my wrongdoing. Cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. I declare the righteousness of Jesus Christ over my life. I am righteous. Holy Spirit, Come live inside of me. Jesus, I make you the Lord and the Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Keep your heads bowed for just a moment. If you said that prayer tonight, you meant it with all your heart. You're coming back to the Lord or you're giving your heart to Christ for the first time. Just slip your hand up tonight and just acknowledge that. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Hallelujah. Thank you for your presence tonight. You can all put your hands down, eyes open, looking around. Hey, listen, we've got some prayer warriors up here that want to pray with you. If you raised your hand tonight and you received Jesus Christ, there's a connection, a uh, I choose card in the seat right in front of you. Fill that out. You can turn that in here. They've got a Bible for you. They'll also tell you what your next steps are to really getting discipled so that you can live an awesome kingdom life all the days of your life. I promise you, no matter where you're standing today, God has a plan for you, and it is a plan of greatness and of leadership and power and authority and anointing. He wants to pour his spirit out on all your flesh. I promise you that, to deliver you and to set you free in areas of life you may not even yet realize you need to be set free from. Otherwise, God bless you guys. Hey, tomorrow night we have our prayer night tomorrow. We had this place jam-packed full. Come on out for that move of God, genuine move of God. Windows of heaven opened over this serv- uh, over the prayer service last Thursday. Tomorrow's the last one, so come on out for that. And uh, God bless you. If you need prayer for anything other than that, I'll be up here, as will our pastors and elders. God bless you all. We'll talk to you soon.